Thank you, Louise. Uh, in case you haven't noticed, this coming Tuesday is Anzac Day. In fact, I think the AFL has probably hijacked the, uh, the day itself and it's become known as Anzac Weekend. Any of you who watched foot the footy last night and the night before will notice that they play the last post and I think also those words, uh, what is it, how does it go, lest we remember them or lest we forget. Uh, so it's become almost an Anzac weekend. But when I think of Anzac Day, I think of two words. I think of sacrifice and I think of legacy. And that's why I've chosen a passage in John chapter 13. Uh, it's headed up, Jesus washes his disciples' feet. I believe this particular passage, more than any other, epitomises sacrifice and legacy. And I think it's a good idea if we read it together. And here it is here. Starting at verse 1, although the program said I was going to start at verse 12, I thought I'd start right at the beginning of the chapter. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. Having loved his own who were, who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. You understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. 
This particular incident in the life of Jesus is, it's interesting, it's only recorded in the Gospel of John. And John, in writing, this, writing up this particular incident, seems to stress more than anything the why Jesus is doing what he's doing, not just the what. I mean, he gives us the what. He actually tells us the incident and what happened. But he seems to be stressing the why. Why did Jesus do what he did? Well, firstly, it cut, the answer is in verse 1. Uh, because the time was short. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and to go to the Father. So his departure was at hand and he knew that. So that's the first reason. Uh, the first why, if you like. The second is in verse uh, 1 also. Having loved his own who are in the world, it says he loved them to the end, or other translations say he loved them to the uttermost, to the fullest extent. So what he's going to do, he does because he loves them. Thirdly, uh, in verse 3, it says... Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. He was not the victim. Uh, the, he was actually in control, completely in control. If you like, he wasn't the victim, he was more the director. And that's why he says these words, or the Apostle John puts these words into his, mess, into his incident. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. So he was not the victim, he was the director. He was fully in control of these events. And the last reason, or if you like, the last why is this incident recorded in the Gospel of John. We need to go to another passage. Because in Luke 22, in verses 24 to 27, it says this. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. This is actually in the upper room at the same time as John records about the feet washing. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them called themselves benefactors. But you are not like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who is at the table? I think the Apostle John is at pains now to point out that Jesus da, di, did or uh, does what was normally the job of a, a servant. And you can imagine the disciples when they get there, they've been walking, they arrive in the upper room, and their feet are a bit dusty, and they're probably talking to each other, well, who's going to wash the feet? And instead of saying, well, I'll do it, they start arguing amongst themselves which of them is the greatest. So maybe the other reason why Jesus took it upon himself to take a, uh, a towel and put it around him and wash the disciples' feet is because he'd heard them talking about who amongst them was the greatest. 
and he wanted to teach them a lesson. He wanted them to learn that as a servant or as, as, a, um, as a disciple of Jesus, they needed to exhibit humility. And he does what none of them were prepared to do. And I think that's the reason, one of the, re- one of the last reasons why John includes the why, if you like, in this particular passage. But then in the middle of this passage, we come to Simon Peter. And Peter speaks speaks three times. The first time he says, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? It's almost like, uh, hang on a minute, where's the hierarchy? It's normally the servant that washes the feet. And he says to Jesus, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He, He grew up, of course, in a hierarchical culture. And he thought that authority meant that you didn't do the menial tasks, that the servants did these sorts of things. But Jesus had to point out to him that he was ignorant of the difference between the authority that uh, applied at the time and the authority that Jesus had as a servant. So he says, Lord, are you going to wash me? my feet and Jesus says you do not realize now what I'm doing but later you will understand Peter thought that this sort of task belonged only to the lowest of the low and then secondly Peter says you shall never wash my feet verse 8 it's almost like I'll never let you do that I'll never let you do that and of course that exhibits a certain amount of pride perhaps maybe self-righteousness Peter was all of those things. He was ignorant of the sort of authority that Jesus was demonstrating and he was also full of pride and self-righteousness. But then thirdly, when Jesus said, unless I wash you, you have no part with me, Peter says, then Lord, not just my feet but my hands and my head as well demonstrating, I think, that Peter really did love the Lord. Now, he might have had pride, he might have had ignorance, but I think underneath it all, Peter really, really did love the Lord. But his theology was wrong. He says, not just my hands, but my head as well. In other words, basically saying, well, I need to be washed all over. And Jesus says to him, no. Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. You are clean, though not every one of you. Jesus is saying regeneration only happens once. But we need to continually confess and confess and confess because we pick up things as we're walking through this world. So Jesus corrects Peter theologically. He says, once regenerated, once is enough. But... Jesus goes on to say, we need to wash our feet regularly. And that's why I think John included these words in his epistle. 1 John 1 verse 9, people could quote it front ways, back ways, every which way. Most people know this verse. It says this, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when I said I chose this passage because I believe it epitomises sacrificial service and also legacy. The sacrificial service, of course, was Jesus' 
lowering himself and washing the disciples' feet. But the legacy he leaves is that he leaves us an example. In fact, to my knowledge, this is the only place that I know in the Gospels where Jesus actually uses the words example and says, this is an example that I have set and you are to follow my example. He did lots of things demonstrating the kingdom of God and things that they should do and shouldn't do. But this is the only place that I know, and you can correct me afterwards, this is the only place I know where he actually uses the word example and says, I have set you an example, you are to do what I have done. And this example is an example of humility and loving sacrificial service to each other. He's telling them that their authority as leaders, and they were going to be leaders in the church once the Holy Spirit came, will be directly related directly related to their willingness to serve. But also, perhaps, what Jesus is referring to here is a verse that we have in Galatians 6, verse 1. It says, Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. Remember, they were washing their feet, or Jesus washed their feet because their feet were dirty. It picked up dust along the way. So maybe this verse is also telling us, or the example that Jesus is giving is also telling us, that maybe washing each other's feet is not just a, a literal thing of actually washing someone's feet, but it's also a symbolism of helping someone who's picked up some dirt along the way. Maybe pointing out to them that... They need to be restored and you can actually be instrumental in restoring that person. So how about us? What sort of legacy do we leave when we die? I think it helps us to read this verse in, two, in 1 Peter 2.21. It says, For God called you to do good even if it means suffering. And the previous verse in 1 Peter talks about the fact that Jesus suffered for us. See if I can find the previous few verses. Um, and it says this. It says, To this you are called because Christ suffered for you. Or the previous verse is this, verse 20. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. This particular version is for the New Living Translation. It says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example and you must follow in his steps. So if you're like, we are to also be an example to those who follow after us. Like the Apostle Paul who said this, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. So I wonder if we think of the word legacy. Do we think of the fact that we are always, whenever we go around people, whenever in our families, we are being an example. And I wonder if the greatest legacy we could possibly give to those that know us the greatest legacy we could give is to say follow my example I'm not sure that that's something I could say 
about my life, but wouldn't it be wonderful if we could say, follow my example. And then I found this on the internet. It says, the greatest legacy one can pass on to one's children and grandchildren is not money or other material things, but rather a legacy of character and faith, and that's attributed to Billy Graham. And he certainly did that to his children and grandchildren. So we have this passage that speaks about sacrificial service, but also of the legacy that Jesus left us. He left us an example that we should wash one another's feet and that we should love one another to the fullest extent. Let us pray. Loving God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus lowered himself, as it says in Philippians 2, to come down to this earth. But then he lowered himself even further, as we read today, to wash the disciples' feet. Help us to take on board the example that he set, to wash one another's feet, to be servants, as it were, and to realise that true authority in your kingdom is those who exhibit humility and service. We give thanks for this wonderful example that Jesus set us. Help us to follow in his steps, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you so much, Ian, for that message. And it's a great reminder um, about the servanthood that uh, in terms of hierarchy, to be that, that servant and essentially that's how our churches operate uh, so well that we don't think of ourselves higher than others that we don't do uh, tasks that we all help out uh, from the, the bottom up so thank you for that uh, reminder and that challenge for us we're going to uh, conclude our service um, seeing salvation belongs to our our god a um, bit of a golden oldie um, but uh, the the words um, are fantastic how we can uh, just sing um, sing about our God for who he is um, and that salvation ultimately being that we can live with him uh, in heaven forever. Let's, let's stand and sing together. <laughs>